Welcome to the Way of the Disciple Book Study, brought to you by Sushipe. Our reflection on Chapter 2, titled The Invitation, Come to Me, will be led by Zach Krieger from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hi, welcome to uh, Chapter 2 of uh, The Way of the Disciple. This uh, chapter, we're looking at really what is discipleship. And so um, there's, a, there's a few things that I think come out of this chapter. I think we get a real clear vision of really what's become kind of a, a buzzword or just, a, I, I don't know, maybe just an empty concept sometimes when people say discipleship. I think we have like a, like a vague sense that discipleship is like following Jesus more seriously. Um, but then the question is raised like more seriously than what? And the other part is like, you know, following Jesus. What does that look like? Uh, you know, does it just mean that I do countercultural things or that, you know, that I'm praying the mass better than I did before? But I think all of those things are in a way kind of negative measures because it's just I'm better than mediocre. Um, and in our culture now, when we dive into something, it's really difficult to not just be a fan, but to be the real thing. Um, for instance, I find myself when I get really interested in something, delaying actually doing the thing because I can watch videos of other people that do the thing well that will show me how to do the thing on YouTube and then I never actually do it, whatever that thing is. And, and so I think it, that's a temptation. Um, following Jesus, we're really just basically subscribing to his YouTube channel uh, but never actually joining his band where, where the people that stand at a distance um, and listen to his sermon but never become that inner 70 or 72 that we read about in the Gospels. And so I think um, Erasmo gives us a lot to think about where he kind of combats this modern idea of many things, actually, in this chapter. Um, but... Let's look at a few. Let's dive in. So uh, at the beginning of the chapter, I'm looking at the second page of the chapter, so 36, um, he gives five elements that make up the reality of discipleship. Uh, right away in the chapter, he said, discipleship is the intimate following of Jesus. The intimate following of Jesus, what does that mean? A disciple will look like these things. He says, the disciple, one, has solitude with Jesus. Two, there's freedom in choosing and calling, and there's freedom in our response. So it's not just me and what I do. There's an element of discipleship with like the, the leader. So how am I being led? He has freedom to choose and call and to point to different things, and I have a freedom in choosing, and there's a real dynamic in that relationship. Four, there's a shared life and companionship with Jesus and other disciples. Uh, Jesus didn't call one person. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm certain he had intimate moments individually with each of his friends, disciples, especially the apostles, but he called them together as companions. So that shared life of companionship with Jesus, but also recognizing that Jesus is present in their companionship. It isn't just, it isn't just a community. It's not just community together, but it's, it's Jesus recognized as a member of it, not just speculatively. We're not just getting together to look at something cool and have a good conversation, 
uh, Jesus is present there. And then lastly, I think this is the most clear definition of evangelization I've ever heard. The mission to teach and to heal. Like, what are we doing? We're extending the life and mission and work of Christ. And from that, he goes on in the next page on 37 to talk about what that means to extend the life of Jesus. He says, um, the primordial purpose of the apostle's vocation is to be with Jesus. So that translation of um, Mark 3, the call of the disciples, where it said he created the 12. He didn't just call, but he, he created the 12, called them into existence, and then called them from all time to, to be with him first and foremost. He makes the point that of the five essential elements, only the fifth one is visible active activity in the world. So I think discipleship is loaded down with so much activity. Not that you shouldn't do things. Um, not that we should be quietists that just sit on our couches and do nothing and just let God make us holy. That's not it. Um, we have apostolates. They're very, you know, the, the apostles are very active even after Jesus leaves. But um, essentially all of that is to be with Jesus, right? They see their activity as the way of sifting through all the busyness and clutter to be with Jesus. Um, their apostolate is being with Jesus in some form, preaching, uh, healing, teaching, you know, all these things that are mentioned as the fifth point as, as evangelization. And evangelization is encountering Jesus. And all this stuff is not just a fluffy fluffy nothing right um he says later on in that same sentence so this this vocation to be with jesus must by no means be construed in the sentimental sense of warm companionship and safe conduit to salvation rather we must give the verb to be here its full ontological weight by understanding the divinely appointed goal to be nothing less than deification if the apostles are called to be with jesus because they are called to become what jesus already is and this is something that we have a really hard time with in the modern world where we always hold Jesus off at a distance. And I think it's just false humility um, to hold Jesus at a distance and say, oh, I'm I'm not perfect and I never will be perfect. And, um, you know, I kind of do my best, but I scrap together and I sin all the time. So like there's a reality to that and it's true. And, and But I think the spirit behind those words for us, most of us, is very... Um, empty, right? We just say it because we think we should, or we think it makes us humble, or it puts off the vibe that we're like prayerful. But really, um, the one command that Jesus has in terms of perfection, uh, it, it, early on in the Sermon on the Mount, early on in Matthew's gospel, is he commands us. He doesn't say it's a good idea. He actually commands us to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's, it's actually, it's a command. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And, uh, and that's actually something that's beyond our ability. And so what um, uh, Erasmo of Americacus is telling us here, and what the church has been telling us, read Catechism paragraph 460 and the paragraphs around that section of the Catechism um, that talks about our adoption of the family of God. What they're saying is, yes, God has the power to actually transform us to become partakers, as Peter says in his letter, in the divine nature. Uh, that's incredible news. 
that's the good news is uh, Jesus' life is in you, but it's not just a pale comparison. He actually transforms you, transfigures you through baptism, through the life of grace, through prayer, and through allowing him to have his way in our lives. He's actually going to transform us into another Christ, an actual Christian, a Christ one. Uh, he will anoint us um, as he did um you know, Christ with all these gifts and things like that. Like when St. Paul says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's speaking a lot more literally than we all are comfortable contemplating, right? Because when we add this, the fluffiness that we all do, like the, I get so kind of irritated. I think all of us in some way get some, somehow irritated. When we sit and we, we talk with our friends and stuff, we realize we're just using jargon and mysterious kind of language and stuff like that. Um, I think some of that is intentionally like softens. It also puffs us up a little bit, but it softens really what Christ is saying. It softens the truths of faith when we use empty jargon. And what he's saying right here is you need to be Jesus. You need to become Jesus. And it's not your power that's going to do that. It's Christ's. Um, and so he ends this chapter on page 55 by talking about Standing therefore, this is from Galatians, and not submitting again to the yoke of slavery. And he, he adds, whether this yoke is imposed by others or your own tyrannical self. I just had a great, a great um, grace given to me in confession where uh, as I was confessing the things that I'm dealing with day in and day out, the priest brought up, he's like, you are capping yourself um, off. Like you've placed this ceiling but it's glass it's easily broken it's painful i mean if you have to shatter glass it's painful but you're capping yourself you'll only let yourself get to a certain level of holiness you'll only sacrifice a certain amount and then you go back to the i'm imperfect i'm this i'm that and then listlessness and and melancholy and just mediocrity melt into this project of discipleship <clears throat> and I can't actually do these five things. I can't live discipleship. I can't become Jesus unless I break that ceiling. I remove that cap and I allow myself to be lifted up to these new levels by Christ, not by my own power. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps, but I can be lifted up by Christ. And so I think that gives us um, a lot of good stuff to kind of chew on. Another thing um, this week is, is we've been given a great icon. One of the great uh, practices in the East is, is praying with icons. And we've been given a great icon that in some way, shape, or form summarizes this whole book, but I think really summarizes this chapter. And it's given right on the cover of the book. It's the icon of friendship with Christ, the disciple. And I think the more we look at that, the more we see the, the figure, if you're looking at it, on the left, that Christ has his arm around. It's like Christ is pulling him in towards him, and he is becoming Christ. Like he's almost like melding into Christ's side. His arm, Jesus' arm and his side is like melting in. The guy's like, there's this place that he can like perfectly fit into that's forming in the side of Christ. Right? His face is starting to look like Christ, though Christ's head and his, his, his halo is bigger and more glorious, but his beard is white, which is a sign of love. He's proclaiming Christ um, with his hand, with the two fingers up and the three fingers touching. He has a little scroll, so that scroll will grow into something like that huge book that Jesus has. But 
there's this great melding going on. So as you pray through this, close the book every now and then and look at this icon and just let it in some way kind of speak to you of this great mystery as well. Um, and, and let us call upon the Holy Spirit so that we don't just become fans and we don't just become YouTube subscribers, but that we become disciples. Hey everyone, it's Eric Gallagher, the founder of Sushipe. With Advent quickly approaching, I wanted to invite you to join our upcoming book study that will begin on November 29th. Fred and Kara from the organization Draw Near will be leading us through a chapter a week book study on the popular text, I Believe in Love, a personal retreat based on the teachings of St. Therese of Lisieux. Each week, Fred and Kara will offer a simple reflection on a chapter and will guide online discussions through the Sushipe platform. This is an excellent book and opportunity for anyone who's desiring to grow in their spiritual life. Find out more by visiting sushipe.co slash study. That's S-U-S-C-I-P-E dot C-O slash study.